Have you taken the time to unpack your career story and truly leverage those unique experiences that you have? This episode is brought to you by the Career Thrivers Do the Work course, an introspective and interactive course to help you really dig in to your past experiences and expertise to discover and leverage your unique value. Make sure you check out the course at bit.ly forward slash do the work course. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash do the work course and use the code Thrive Tribe for 25% off. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Career Thrivers Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Cole, and we are in for a treat today. We have Andrea Hart, the Global HR Director at Caterpillar Financial Services Corporation. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You are so kind. Thank you. We're really excited to talk with you today. So for all of our listeners to tell you a little bit more about Andrea. So she is the director for Caterpillar Financial Services Corporation, and she has a responsibility for leading her human resources team, which is a global team. And they have a specific focus on building upon the strong culture and preparing for the future. She also emphasizes talent development for the organization and champions diversity and inclusion. So we are so excited to learn a bit more about what all of that means. (laughs) (laughs) definitely hopefully I can help explain it awesome awesome so tell us a little bit about your story where are you from Um, how did you get to where you are in terms of your career at Caterpillar oh that's wonderful it's one of those if you would have asked me at the beginning would I be here probably would say no Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm from a tiny town in Illinois 2,000 people so it truly was this you know Mayberry to an extent, everyone knew everyone's business, good and bad. And, but I was ready to, to try something different. And so ha- after college, went to Eastern Illinois University, had 10,000 on the campus. Wow. And yes. So it's kind of continuing here, but had the opportunity to first work at a recruiting firm. So first out of college, I did recruiting. Now getting into human resources, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Originally, when I went to college, I thought about teaching, but then I changed my major to organizational communications Mm -hmm. and just found that I love being able to mold and shift the way people are able to work, which Mm -hmm. kind of went along with teaching. So I did recruiting for a while, which is a passion because when you see someone get a a job that they love and thrive in, Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the most satisfying things you can get. But then I had the opportunity to move to Caterpillar and I moved to Caterpillar in recruiting and I will be with Caterpillar 20 years in January. Wow. So kind of unusual in this day and age. Yeah. Um, amazing. That long. And I, I started in Decatur, Illinois and I worked there in recruiting, moved into kind of an HR representative role, went into the uh, shop, went into the factory as a operations supervisor on second shift and then today shift, which is great. Taught me so much about leadership in the business. Had the chance to move to Griffin, Georgia in an HR capacity, moved to Peoria, Illinois, and worked in a number of different roles as HR manager and mm-hmm. had a similar role at another division and then had the opportunity to move to Nashville with Caterpillar Financial, which was a great opportunity. That's fantastic. So it sounds like you definitely did your fair share of relocating. <laughs> yes, I've moved a few times mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. been with a number of different divisions. And I, awesome. I loved every single part of it. I've learned in every single part of it. Um, and just being agile has been important with it. 
Absolutely. So I know for sure, kind of um, just thinking about my own experience in, in, in corporate, you know, you hear human resources and then there, there are all of these thoughts that you have. <laughs> you don't dare say the word in a meeting and people are like, what happened? What, what went wrong? So tell us some of the, some of the myths or misconceptions around human resources. Well, you, you kind of hit it on the head. There's two different myths. There's one, I think, that is it's fluffy. It's about it's soft mm-hmm. stuff. And that's probably the one side of human resources. And then the other one you hear, oh, if you go there, you're getting in trouble. <laughs> and so you hear those are the two different myths. And I always check on like, oh, my goodness, it's such a small, tiny portion of, of when we're involved that we're really part of being a solution provider to the business. In the end of the day, we're looking at how do we help the, help people to help the business and that's what we're doing in terms of recruiting and learning and employee relations and engagement and culture. And that's, that's really what we're trying to do and drive. And we drive it with data. We drive it like other parts of the business, but man, those myths, it's funny. Um, especially, you know, as I just casually meet people, they're like, Oh, don't know what I should say now. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. We like to have fun too. Right. Right. <laughs> you don't have to have a script to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. So how would you, if there's someone that's listening, that's like, mm, I don't really know what human resources is. And you hear, you know, um, talent um, acquisition, you hear about recruiting, you hear about learning and development, like all of these different arms, if you will. How would you kind of describe what human resources is and the different components? That's a great question. It, it's if you think about when you start, before you even start, when you're looking for a role, the first touch point you have with a company to usually the last touch point you have at a company, that's human resources, where the entire employee life cycle. And really it's about framing the employee experience. And I've loved the shift from engagement to employee experience because it's the experience in the candidate experience. It's the experience, you know, in how you deal with benefits. And the better the employee experience, the better employees then are equipped to, for our business, to do the customer experience. If they're empowered, engaged, they're going to make customers feel that way. So to me, it's the entire life cycle. It's how do we bring the right people in? How do we develop them? How do we compensate them and recognize them and build the right culture to equip them um, to, to all the intangibles? So, it, you know, there's foundational things that we have to do, compensation and benefits. Yeah. through all those, you know, other, other pieces that really hopefully help equip employees to be successful. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know you mentioned uh, being a, a firm champion for diversity and inclusion. And I think when we look across, you know, human resources generally, you know, you kind of see this quote unquote trend, if you will, in DNI roles, divisions, departments. Kind of what's your perspective on that and how does that play a role in the work that you do every day? Oh, it plays a it plays a large role. It's one of a, a key priority that I have in terms of the people strategy. And we have DNI built into human resources, um, diversity, inclusion. But the reality is, it's a business. The business leaders have to drive it. But we're we're definitely, hopefully, a thought leader and an enabler in it. And the reason I like it in human resources is because you need to build it in every business process and every HR process for it to be successful. Um, plus, it has to be built into the culture and for it to thrive. And we play a large role in all of those. So to me, it's, it's a natural combination and a natural fit. That's fantastic. So it sounds like 
I love what you said about it being a part of the business and that the business leaders um, really have to drive it. Because I think sometimes when you, you know, you're talking to DNI practitioners or you're just doing research, it seems like it's very HR focused and there's a set team that runs it. And then there are a few trainings a year, but then everyone else kind of goes back to the normal way of doing things. So in terms of like implementation for any hiring managers that may be listening, kind of what advice would you give for mid-level management that really wants to own you know, diversity and inclusion as a part of their team from where they sit. Oh, yes. I love that. And I hope there's many that are wanting to do that. I always start with, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, I always frame it as you have to start with inclusion. You have to start where people can be themselves, where people are appreciated, where the differences are appreciated and encouraged. And you have to set that culture. So, the first thing any leader can do is make sure you're driving those inclusive behaviors of fostering speak up, fostering ideas and challenging others and, and looking to regardless of what anyone looks where they're from, thinks that you're doing that period. And then that's what builds diversity because that's when diversity thrives diversity in every kind of context you can imagine. So if you have inclusion, diversity will naturally thrive because the problem is if you don't have inclusion, you may have a diverse team, but you're not getting the benefits of all those wonderful creative powers within those different folks. And so I always say start with inclusion and then that builds diversity, which ultimately is what brings innovation and innovation is what brings business results. So I kind of tell leaders to think through that and that's how you can impact it. And, and seek to, the other thing I always tell leaders too, when you're really thinking about diversity and inclusion, unconscious bias gets a lot, a lot of, of play because it should, because mm-hmm. we all have them and it makes people, you know, it, it really raises your awareness. Sure. And I always kind of use the example of interviews. I naturally gravitate with extroverts. So, in, and if you make me laugh, I love you. It's a great interview all day long, but guess what? I can't fill my team with all that. That's not healthy. <laughs> so we all have different unconscious biases of different forms of fashion. So I do believe leaders need to educate themselves on that and just raise their own awareness. But then they also need to make sure, are, who are you surrounding yourself with? Mm-hmm. Is it all like you? Do they look like you? Do they act like you? Do mm-hmm. they have the same backgrounds? And if they do, you need to assess that. Because leadership advocacy is one of the most important things. And then I know it typically is senior leaders and it, and that is the, the real accountability, but it starts all along. Who are you mentoring? Who are you sponsoring? And, and you need to make sure you're reaching out and that you're creating a network of folks who, who are different from you in every type of form and fashion. So that way it makes you a better leader as well. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. I think one of the conversations that is real, whether it's spoken or not, when you're having this conversation as well, perhaps it leaves out the majority or perhaps there's this thought that, you know, championing diversity, I don't see where I fit in that if I am a part of the majority. What would you say for for those that may have that perspective or may have that, you know, spoken or unspoken um, kind of thought or worry that, okay, we're championing diversity and difference, which is great, but where do I fit in in all of that? So I'll even take it to a more transparent that unspoken because sometimes what you may get confronted with is, well, what about me? Yeah. And, 
you know, oh, what does this mean? But I was, you know, the the reality is who said it was all about you anyway, you know, or like it's a, a specific job. The job is not designated for any one person. Right. And so ultimately, I, I always tell folks, we need the best talent, period. Mm-hmm. And the best talent comes in so many different ways. And, and if we're not embracing that, we're going to lose out on talent. There's a, you know, there's a war for talent right now. And you need to make sure you're flourishing the best talent and that you're looking as broadly as you can to find that talent. And if you're not, shame on you because you're not going to be successful. So it's almost playing to that and, and having them understand the, the real need about it, but then also just the human factor of it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about him. It's not about her. It's just about embracing people. And it's about really understanding the reality that we have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity to shape what our workforce um, is and what our workforce looks like. And so to me, we all play a role regardless of what that role is as an ally or, you know, in a in a diversity category, we all have a, have a role. And honestly, if you are in a in a majority, you have a bigger role to play. Mm-hmm. You need to be the advocate. You need to to be the voice. Sometimes for folks who don't have a voice at the table, and so you need to to be that, and you need to be a sponsor and a mentor. So to me, I hold you even more accountable. Yeah. Yeah, I love that focus on mentorship and sponsorship because it's such a critical part of navigating really any any working environment. I always say corporate just because that's my own personal background, but any environment, like having that person that's in that position of, of authority or has that title is in, in, in that manager role that can really help you to navigate and speak for you in those rooms that you aren't in is huge. Absolutely huge. What would you say maybe to a listener that's thinking, okay, I'm not a people manager. I don't have direct reports. So how can I play a role in impacting inclusion in my organization? Oh, everyone plays a huge role. One, it's it, it's it's encouraging folks. It's recognizing folks who do a great job. It's mm-hmm. asking the right questions and giving feedback. We all have play a role in that, and we're all doing it within our teams, regardless if you're a, a direct leader or not. Everyone plays a different leader role within their organization. Um, so you you do play a role. It's people will see it in your examples, but then it's also, I always tell people recognize leaders who are doing a good job because then that'll make them want to continue to do good work. Get feedback. If you have a leader who says something that doesn't sit right Mm -hmm. because you know, they need to know that, but then also, you know, there's different ways to do it. You know, cat financial, we have great employee resource groups and honestly, the employees who are in the leadership teams for those, are phenomenal and they are leading and they are enormous leaders in the company. And I always appreciate because our our CEO and president, whenever we have top level leaders from other parts of Caterpillar come in, we typically try to have them have a lunch with our ERG leaders because, because they're phenomenal and they're great representatives of our employee workforce. And, Every time after one of those lunches, people leave like, oh, my goodness, this is the, you know, the best workforce. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways to connect in, even if you're not a people leader, too, and Absolutely. drive diversity inclusion. 
Yeah. And I would say, um, you know, I guess just for the audience, FYI, that's how we met. Right. So yes. I had an opportunity to come in and speak for like History Month, which was, listen, I mean, I was I was blown away. <laughs> like a gospel choir. A oh, my band. goodness. The choir. I cry every year. <laughs> it was incredible. It is every year there are, you know, and I would tell you each of our ERGs kind of has a showcase event, um, one to two that I would say they're doing things all year long, though. But for our Caterpillar African-American Network, Black History Month, the first time I attended the Caterpillar Financial one and we had a choir, I looked around at my teammates. I'm like, no one told me we had a choir. We have a choir. This is phenomenal. Like, it is amazing. And and we do, you know, in Lambda with what we do with pride and a celebration all week and so many different ways. It just, it, it moves you as, a, as an employee and it, it really brings a sense of understanding and appreciation um, to the entire workforce. Absolutely. Well, I know I was definitely blown away and, and just connecting with the leaders to your point, like Ken and I'm sure the other ERGs as well. I mean, really, really awesome work is happening at Caterpillar. So that, that's amazing. So we're obviously in the midst of a big health crisis. Um, <laughs> I, I get tired of saying COVID-19, but that that's where we are. Yes. Um, we're kind of just top priorities as a global leader in the midst of all of this. What, what's on your mind? Oh, uh, well, it, it's definitely on my mind uh, day in, day out. It's the, you know, there's two things on my mind. One is the health and safety of our employees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every day. How are they? How are their families? And then also keeping employees um, motivated and inspired. Those are the two things. And, you know, as a company, we've been dealing with this for a while because, you know, we have um, a, a large group of employees in China. So we've kind of watched it move through the world and, and really navigating it. And one, we want to make sure folks, you know, understand health and safety are first party. And we're very fortunate. Majority of our work can be done remote. And that's what we're, you know, what we're asking of, of our employees, just so that way they're safe. And we know they're safe until we understand kind of the, the situation and when it's, when it's under control in the different parts of the world. But it, but then it also, the other side is keeping people motivated and inspired because, it's different. We're, you know, working from home every day, but you're also, you're not just working remotely, which people are, you know, somewhat used to that. You're doing it every day. And the reality is all of your family's there. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, and so, so, you know, trust me, there's been days I'm like, "Mm, I bet they're renting hotel rooms cheap. Maybe I could just stay there for a couple days. (laughs) By myself. (laughs) But it is. So, you know, an understanding and giving people that grace of understanding we're all in a new territory here. Mm-hmm. And so what I, ha- I have found, too, and I love is we've gotten to know people. Honestly, the inclusion part, I feel like, has built in this mm-hmm. because, you know, people are seeing my kids. They're seeing my dogs. They're, you know, and I'm seeing theirs and I'm, you know, we're seeing different parts of people's lives that we may not mm-hmm. always see. And we get to have that experience where, you know, you're talking to someone and you don't know what's going to happen in the background and who's going to be part. But that's great to me. I I feel like I've gotten to know people on such a different level because of this. But really making sure people it's okay. Hey, things are going to happen in your personal life right now because you're dealing with school being out and everything. It's okay, And let's embrace it and enjoy it. 
we did a great, we've done great things of like, show us your FPD home office, your home office, pictures and campaigns and, and just trying to help share. And we're, you know, trying to do some learning series on how do you do this and stay motivated and how do you lead virtual meetings better? And so just trying different ways to keep people, people engaged and motivated. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about myself as well at times. Like all of us. Yeah, that, that's so true. It's like, you know, if you're in a working environment in the office, you're looking for that point of personal connection. And in this environment, it's all around us. It's like, oh, I didn't realize you had a pet. Okay. <laughs> you're learning all these new things. So yes, yes. I love that. Of course, that brings up the question. I'm curious about your perspective on this. So, um, of course, there are generational aspects to, to ideas around working from home and working remotely and what that means. I have been a part of several conversations of I wonder what that is going to look like for organizations on the other side of this who maybe before have had the perspective of, nope, you got to work in the office. And now it's like, well, we ran a business for three months from home. What are your thoughts on just the dynamics that may change now with working from home? Oh, I think you think, I think leaders are going to view how work is done differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have flexibility. I would say it's usually like people working one or two days a week from home, or we have a few folks who work remotely. Uh, but I think it has become so evident that we're successful. We're able to do it. So I think it's even going to change talent, which honestly could change diversity. I I can see companies thinking about who's the best person regardless of where they're at. Do they need to be physically here? Can they do it from some other place in the world Um, or, you know, another state, another city. And I think we're going to really think differently about what this means, where, where work gets done. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's different, but I think it, but it's also a balance and we're going to have to be creative in this and, how do you continue to have the culture? Yes. Because I think we've done a great job of driving culture in the workplace, but now we've really got to think about driving it in the work environment a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Love that. Love that. So the last part of our conversation, definitely want to get your insights and you've kind of hit on this some in terms of mentorship and sponsorship, but we are definitely all about community and and thriving together as a team. So curious about your thoughts or any advice that you would share relative to just networking and how do you really cultivate relationships to really have those strong kind of lifeline leaders in your career and maybe an example or two of, of some of the lifeline leaders in your career? Oh, great. Great. Uh, great question. And networking sometimes is seen as the bad word. No one wants to network. But I think networking, I think people almost make it more than it is. And, and realizing it's about connections and you have connections every day. And for me, some of my, what I call lifeline leaders, I work for them. So it was a very organic and natural connection. And so don't always dismiss that sometimes those are become some of your most important advocates. I also think peer networks to me have been very instrumental in my career as well, because I think it's also having some of the more senior level you know, networks, but it's also that peer network and how do you work together and how do you get work done every day? And that's amongst your peers. Plus in terms of mentorship, I find peer mentors to be one of the most undersold mentors because they're the ones who will give you, give you the real feedback. And they see you more often too and how you're doing. So they, they know the real skinny. And so I think we, we sometimes underestimate that. 
But for me, I think in, in kind of establishing those networks, I think it's important being authentic and being transparent. And, and to me, that's what's helped me kind of keep a network, build a network and keep a network is, is I'm always, you know, I'm authentic. I'm talking about what my challenges are. I think being transparent in what those challenges are, because mm-hmm. that's where you're going to kind of build that relationship in a really organic and organic way. Right, right. Absolutely. What would you say to maybe if we have some listeners who are thinking about, okay, I want to start networking so I can move up in my organization. I'm thinking about people leadership. What advice would you give people that want to make that jump as you did from maybe managing to one day being a leader of leaders? Ah, great. So moving into kind of being, you know, being a leader, a couple things I'd say and, and is the first thing I always tell leaders is, you know, you may get feedback on, something your team has done or a person or a project. But, you know, what I always tell people is stop and ask your team what's going on first before jumping to conclusions, because there's always a lot more. So I say always take the power of pause, I think is so important. It's a pause when you're going to get feedback, but it's also a pause when you're going to try to understand a situation and ask questions first. So that seek to understand Mm-hmm. Um, the importance of listening, and I'll be honest, it's something I still struggle with every day is I, I like to jump in and solve and, yeah. but really, you know, taking that time to, to listen to what your team is saying, what they need, um, and also what your organization's needing, what your boss is needing, all of that, that listening impact, and then trusting, trusting your team. Um, I, I had a great example once in my career where there was a time where I, I delivered something and it went really well. Um, but I had a leader who questioned some things. So, well, here's how I would have done that. Here's, and, and it was a kind of a teaching point of trust your team. They may not do everything exactly how you would, but did the goal get accomplished? In the end of the day, remember what's the end goal? Because mm-hmm. that's why if, if you want to do exactly how you're going to do it, you just do it. <laughs> They're going to do it. They're going to do it their way. And in the end of the day, if the goal is accomplished, great. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you probably learned some new things along the way of how to do it as well. So I, I would just say that listening to seek to understand and then trust your team to accomplish, accomplish in their own style. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. So how can we stay connected with you? Oh, okay. So you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. I am, I am one of my things I need to really focus on this year is being more active. Um, definitely there. Um, and, and just, you know, if, if folks want to reach out to me in different forms and fashion, it's probably the first best step, but happy to, to connect with folks and, and to engage. Definitely. I, I love to, to be able to have those connections. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we definitely appreciate you sharing, spending time with us today on the show. And oh, like thank every- you. So I'm curious to know what are your thoughts in terms of what does it mean to be a thriver? What does being a thriver mean to you? I love it. I, th- I think of when I think of being a thriver, it's being a forward thinker and a forward mover. It, it's yeah, you're thinking of what's next, but you're also taking the action of what's next. It's being intellectually curious. You know, I love intellectual curiosity folks who are, it's not just about how we do things now or do things in the past. It's, where should we go and not being scared about that and realizing, you know, the skills we have today are going to be different. And so folks who challenge, challenge, challenge the way we do things. And that to me, that's what a thriver is. Fantastic. And I love it. 
someone that sits in the seat that you sit because it's like, yes, challenge. We want to be better. That's how we breed innovation. Yes. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today on the show. Oh, thank you. With you. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and I would love to continue the conversation with you over in our Facebook group. So make sure you search the Career Thrivers podcast and join us there. And also, if you haven't already gotten the keys to our Thriver Vault, then make sure you go to careerthrivers.com, click on the podcast tab, and at the top of the page, you will see information about the Thriver Vault. That's free tools, free resources, free mini masterclasses to help you take all of this good information and inspiration and put it to action because we know it's the implementation that leads to the real results. So thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Career Thrivers podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, let's thrive together. Take care.